And I'm Dr. Kelly Jones. And this is Orgasm, the podcast from Chipperish Media, where we reach for explosive inspiration. Each episode will be a deep dive into a topic that sparks our creative energy. For our first orgasm, we're starting with magic, because of course we are. What else is inspiration if not some experience of magic? So the way the show is going to roll is we're going to have a topic and then we have a five-step framework that comes together in our acronym of IDEAS. So the first part is identification. Why this topic? How do we define it? Then discovery. What do we wonder or think about this topic? What do we want to learn? Exploration is all about what did we do in exploration of this topic? How did you find time, space, and opportunity for exploration? And in the analysis phase, we're going to think about how we thought about the topic and what did we learn? Why do we love this thing or not love this thing? And then finally, for synthesis, what will we keep thinking about or keep doing? How can we integrate these ideas or this topic into our search for authenticity? Okay, baby. Enough explanatory foreplay. Bring on the magic. Okay, so, Kelly, technically I chose magic for today's discussion, but it was inspired by a train of thought that you pulled me onto. So it was a collaborative effort, but I'm going to take responsibility because I remember saying, well, it sounds like our first topic has to be magic, but I have no memory of what we were talking about or how we got there. I think we were talking about our concepts of magic, the schema we have for it, and the ways that it's mostly conceptual for me and more naturally, intuitively practical for you, which is pretty much standard conversational fare for us. <laughs> but I greatly admire your perspective of magic and want to learn more from you. So let's dive into the ideas. Okay. Well, I was a teenage witch, um, <laughs> which, yeah, which is... A path that I started on after reading a book called A God Who Looks Like Me by Patricia Lynn Riley. And that is not actually a book about magic or witchcraft. It's much more about God as spirit and looking for the feminine in the divine. Well, I mean, it was pretty much like a right book, right time sort of read for me. Mm Mm-hmm. I think I was 15 or so, 14 or 15 when I read that book. And from there, it was just a hop, skip and a jump to more goddess honoring spirituality and witchcraft and magic in particular. So I have a 20 year relationship with magic, more or less. And like all long term relationships, there have been ebbs and flows and high and low tides. But my definition of magic over that couple of decades has really changed and evolved. If you had asked me to define magic back when my bookshelf was crammed with titles by Patricia Telesco and Silver Ravenwolf, I would have said something about spells and maybe the elements. But now that definition has really expanded to include anything that delights me that I can't explain. Oh, I like that. Yeah, so synchronicity, serendipity, coincidence, that's all magic to me. I decided a while ago that I don't really believe in coincidence, that mm-hmm. coincidence to me is just magic, that that was, that was just a better 
explanation <laughs> of coincidence for me that I I felt more I felt like coincidences were too meaningful not to have some sort of a greater energetic flow to them. I don't know. But I mean, all kinds, I see magic in all kinds of things, the moon, the tides, you know, things that you sort of associate with the magical and the, another, another plane, things that sort of operate on another plane, but also my cat Mm -hmm. who lies down on me when I'm sick or hurt. She is definitely magic. She just knows and comes right over. And I think animals really are magic for a lot of people. Yeah. But I mean I can I can find magic all over the place. So it's much it's much more difficult to define as it has gotten more expansive for me. Yeah. Well, I do not think our backgrounds in this area could be more different <laughs> because <laughs> I've always felt drawn to magic, but for me growing up, not only was it frowned on, it was completely forbidden. Anything magical was considered devilish. Like that was the exact word that was used. Mm. And the Mm -hmm. adults in my life tried to beat that idea into me, but I never really bought it because even as a young child, I was so pulled to things that I can only describe as magical, right? The moon and shooting stars and rainbows and flowers and herbs and trees and crystals and gemstones, music and poetry that moves me in ways I can't articulate any kind of fantasy story. And, and I've always had, I don't want to call it intuition, but I don't know what else to call it. Like, my grandmother died when I was 11. I didn't even live in the same state. And I knew the moment that it happened, you know, and then we mm-hmm. got the phone call an hour later, you know, telling yeah. us that she had passed and finding books or having them find me. And sometimes in the strangest of places. Oh, being, yeah. Like the exact story that I needed and that I never would have found any other way. You know, and seeing yes. rainbows yes. or symbols when I need them. And I've just always been very pulled toward this whole mystical, unexplainable side of the world. But I've never had a true vocabulary for it. Mm-hmm. And I always had to hide those things and keep both them and my thoughts about them to myself. So magic has always felt like something I appreciate and am very attracted to but something that isn't actually for me. And being the Mm -hmm. academic that I am now, I feel like I need some kind of formal course of study in order order to learn it. Because I honestly don't know where to start, but that's not how magic works. So I'll start by trying to define my terms. (laughs) And, And for this, I'll go to my favorite academic tradition of borrowing from the greats. So Lonnie Dianrich defines story as an event or a series of events with meaning. And that definition has always stuck with me. And I think for me, magic is a phenomena or a series of phenomenon with meaning. And that's the broadest working definition that I can come up with right now. But if it makes me feel flung far outside of myself, moved by the cosmos, while at the same time feeling deeply grounded within myself... I'm going to call it magic. So it's about fascination, recognition, and connection, awe and wonder. And this especially happens for me with patterns and with connections between people. And like with any orgasm, magic happens in tiny ways and big ways. So seeing a sequence or a pattern that delights me when I'm mentally rearranging the numbers on a license plate, 
Uh or getting a text from someone right when I'm thinking about them. Yes. Mm -hmm. That is to an orgasm. What a tiny sneeze is to an orgasm, but they're both wonderful in their own way. And so like, I think I share your definition of delight, but there's also kind of this mysterious, larger than me, mystical connection side of it that I can't articulate clearly. (laughs) No, that that makes sense to me. Because as you were talking, I was thinking about another way that I experience magic, which is the feeling something that makes me aware of both my tininess and my extraordinary power, which sounds egotistical to say, but, you know, women have been kept from owning their power for (laughs) pretty much ever. So something that makes me feel simultaneously powerful, but also unbelievably small because it connects me to the workings of the universe. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's anything egotistical about recognizing and claiming any kind of power that you see within yourself at all. I don't think I can go there yet with magic because (laughs) I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But if I had to boil it down to one thing, it's going to be that fascination of phenomenon, Um, which is ironically the exact same thing that pulls me into research. And I never (laughs) would have thought that those two worlds were connected, but I think they kind of are. Oh, yeah, I think they absolutely are. I think they absolutely are. What is, you know... What is it? Any any technology that is sufficiently advanced will seem like magic. Is indistinguishable from magic. Yeah. Right? Arthur C. I mean, Clarke. Yeah. So I don't know. I think maybe there's something there for you. It's funny, um, actually, when I was talking to Lonnie about prepping for this, trying to write a script, failing, trying to write a script, freezing up, trying to write a script, finally calling her and saying, hey, you know, this new podcast we're doing. Yeah, I got nothing. we started talking through ideas which is sometimes the only way I can get thoughts out of my head and she actually said that exact same quote but I think we both kind of came to this idea that I think what he meant was any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic it means we don't understand it yet or we don't need to understand it Right. I don't need to understand what makes the light bulb come on when I hit the switch. I just want it to come on. And I'm very Mm -hmm. glad that it does. Yeah. But I think the difference is with magic, I'm not looking for the how. I'm not looking for the why, because I have a tendency to analyze things um, a lot. (laughs) And (laughs) so part of this. I think part of what differentiates magic is the mystery of it and the willingness to be delighted by that mystery, but also to surrender to it and and realize I'm not going to get to the how and the why of this. This is not here for me to take apart and understand Mm -hmm. how it works. This is here for me to appreciate. So it's a very different mindset for me. And I kind of like it. No, I like that too. And when I talked a little bit about my evolving definition of magic, a big part of what it has become for me is the experience of 
appreciation of something as opposed to my desire to use my own power and direct it in a particular way. So magic has become more, more something that I identify and appreciate as opposed to something I, I practice. Although I do still love to include, you know, small magical practice in my, in my daily life. Mm-hmm. Which sort of gets us into discovery. You know, I think about magic in terms of, you know, stirring my coffee counterclockwise to banish morning anxiety, for instance, or consciously bringing to mind loving feelings for the people I'm cooking for as I prepare the food, or saying a critter prayer for roadkill, and talking to my roses, kissing packages before sending them on their way. Or envisioning myself in a protective cocoon of energy during a crisis. So recently, when I found myself seeing the number two, three, four over and over and over again, I wondered what message might be in that. Because I feel like, you know, I'm as much as I as much as possible, I like to be giving that energy mm-hmm. out into, you know, my little corner of the planet. But seeing that number over and over again, I thought, okay, this is this is something that is coming to me. If I'm noticing it, you know, it's here to be received and appreciated. And that's, you know, that's sort of where I am with, with that. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, ideas of giving and receiving are always challenging for me. So it's, it's really, really interesting to kind of hear both perspectives of that. And I love your, your sort of natural practices that you do. All those things I think are so wonderful about you and they just come to you so easily. And I I think it's fantastic. Well, you have some intuitive connection to magic as well. I don't know if you were planning to talk about your card shuffling technique, but I was amazed when you told me what you had just intuitively done while working with uh, Oracle cards. Well, I was going to talk about you making me use my Oracle cards in just a second. So then you can tell on me for that because (laughs) that still kind of tickles me. Because most of what I've learned, I would say, like in the practical sense, related to magic has come from you. Right. Mm. And so like the first gift you ever sent me was this beautiful rose quartz crystal Mm -hmm. and it still lives on my bedside table and it's beautiful and lovely and it just lit me up. And then we were talking about that goddess oracle deck and you were, you know, you did a reading for me and we're talking about how much you use them. And I suddenly got this idea that I could, I could buy an oracle deck. Like I could do that. Mm-hmm. And it when when something like that hits me, I almost always take a step back because there's this pattern of being naturally drawn to something or like feeling a magnet or having this hit of desire and then immediately taking a step back. Mm-hmm. And I am trying to learn how not to take that step back. So yeah. I went ahead and bought the deck and then promptly put it on my bookshelf <laughs> and didn't touch it for like two weeks. <laughs> Because I didn't know how, like I didn't know the proper way. It didn't come with an instruction manual. 
mm-hmm. right? I hadn't yep. taken a class. <laughs> I didn't feel qualified. I'm I love like, you so much, Dr. Jones. <laughs> right? I'm like, I, where is the syllabus for this? I don't know how to do this. And it's beautiful. But I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so they sat on the bookshelf. And then after like, how long was it? Two or three weeks? I can't remember. You were just so very casually. You were like, so what was your first card? And I'm like, um, well, <laughs> I don't know yet. And you were like, Kelly Jones, go pull a fucking card right now. <laughs> yep. So I was very glad that you told me to. Yeah. But when I went to do that, I still had no idea what I was doing. And I'm like, okay, so... Basically, you just shuffle this like a deck of cards. Because, girl, I can play rummy and poker <laughs> and blackjack. Like, I know how to do those things, right? Uh-huh. So, <laughs> you were like, yes, just shuffle the cards. Ask a question or think about something and pull a card. Like, you're making this more complicated than it is. I'm like, fine. I think I said that to you about four times. You are making this more complicated than it is. <laughs> Probably. Those are words that get said to me a lot. But... Mm-hmm. So I got the cards out and I shuffled them five times because five is my number. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I don't know why, I took an inhale of breath on the upward shuffle and an exhale on the downward shuffle. And then I f- pulled the top five, like one, two, three, four, and then flipped the fifth. Mm-hmm. And that has become my process or like my system yeah. for pulling a card. And when I told you that, you were like, oh, you have this natural inclination toward this thing. And I'm like, I just like the number five and I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) But it made me feel really good that like maybe I can learn to use this. Um, And the cards are so beautiful. And I was so tickled because I drew Freya and it was Friday the 13th. Yes. And that just delighted (laughs) me to no end. (laughs) You drew Freya on Freya's day. It was perfect. It was, it was that so was perfect. Those kind of patterns just make me so happy. So I think for me, most of this has really come from being friends with you and you pushing me from the abstract to the practical because my natural inclination would be to think about this stuff all day long, but not ever actually do anything. And I've yeah. really, really enjoyed using the cards. They're wonderful. And I've had a really kind of magical experience with drawing the same card three times in a very particular context and that amazes me you know and so like the whole thing is just really cool so yeah for discovery I think it's just if I have a natural inclination toward this thing how do I find out what it is and then how do I start making that you know part of daily life the way you do I love how naturally it comes to you And some of those rituals that you have are so beautiful to me. And I want to learn. Well, some of that is just about time spent doing the thing. Mm -hmm. Because I'm very, you know, it's funny. I am like you in that I want to do things, you know, the right way. I want to take the class or get the certificate or whatever the thing is. But if something, if something resonates with you. That is the right thing for you when we're talking about working with your own intuition, which is why I so loved the relationship 
that you had with the cards right off the bat. And we will put the name of the the author and the artist. Uh, this oh, yeah. Particular, It'll all be in the syllabus. This particular uh, goddess oracle deck that both Kelly and I use uh, will be in the show notes. Because despite working with this deck for a long time, <laughs> um, I cannot remember... The author or the artist's name, I'm embarrassed to admit. I can see their faces. I can see their mm-hmm. author photos on the back of the book, but I can't I can't well, come up will, with their names. We will put so, them in the show notes and the syllabus. So no perfect. Worries. Yes. Yeah, but just in terms of I mean, in terms of making it part of part of your life, I mean, you just you you choose magic, baby. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> That is, you know, if I had any advice for for you, that would be it. I like it. Are we ready to move into exploration? I think we are. Do we need to call out our section headers before we do them? Probably a helpful idea so that people know we're actually, we are sort of kind of following a framework here. We're sort of organized. It's It's messy, but you know what? (laughs) <laughs> messy can be really good sometimes. It's a messy framework, but it holds the thing up. So we're it's going. a messy framework, <laughs> but it holds the thing up. Yes, that all is right. basically all of my professional work summed together in one sentence. <laughs> and mine is, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> okay. So fine. actually, yes. So mine, my the two words there, right? It's fine. So mine would be it depends. <laughs> but then like. <laughs> That's my universal answer for everything, right? It It depends. depends. (laughs) I can answer any question with that. But if it comes down to like how a thing works, it's messy, but it holds the thing up. (laughs) Like, there you go. That works for me. I love it. (laughs) So explore, baby. Let's explore. (laughs) So moving into exploration, I mentioned the number thing to you. Mm -hmm. And... You pointed me to some some numerology, but you also realized that two plus three plus four is nine, which is a meaningful number for me. And I was just astounded. Like it had never occurred to me. Um, (laughs) Well, that actually comes from like the nerdiest, geekiest thing. (laughs) So as a kid, I spent a lot of time in the car. Like, a lot uh-huh. of time in the car. And I get bored very, very easily. But also had to be quiet. And so, for the longest time, <laughs> I just read. Right? I just read books. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, right around puberty, I couldn't read in the car anymore. I get very nauseous. I get car sick. I can't read in the car anymore. Which has totally destroyed my experience as a passenger. So, now I have to drive. Mm. So, I couldn't read anymore. And so, I started making up games of like looking for patterns in license plates in all the cars around me Uh so I like I rearrange all the numbers and I'm either looking for if you add this one or subtract this one or move this one around like do they boil down to one are they composed of their parts and I hate math so this is just the pattern of it right and so I do that even now I can't help it when I'm driving like I'm always (laughs) (laughs) like a beautiful mind up in this shit with license plates right and so <laughs> when you kept saying two, three, four, then my brain did its thing. And I was like, oh, that's nine. And Noelle's number is nine. So, of course, yeah. she's seeing two, three, four everywhere. That is wild to me. It's really cool. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. So I still don't know. I still don't know why I'm seeing 
nine everywhere. And I had a, I had a dream the other night with a different sequence of numbers that added up to nine. So mm-hmm. I don't know something about something about myself. I'll figure it out. <laughs> well, it may be time for some exploration in numerology. Oh, maybe. Oh, yeah. True. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And for a while, I was drawing, I was working with the Goddess Oracle deck every day, and I was drawing a card every day, um, mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes two, uh, one in the morning and one at night. And that was really, that was really interesting, especially when it was just, when it was just the one, when it was one card for the day. And I would just, that would be all that I brought to the meditation was I wouldn't ask a question. I didn't have anything particular in mind, just the day. And then I started uh, snapping a picture of my daily card and setting it as my wallpaper on my phone, oh, that's um, cool. which is, yeah, that's an idea I got from Nagar Fanuni, who is a wonderful writer, creative human. Follow her on Instagram if you're interested in magic and and especially in incorporating magic into daily life, bringing ritual into your daily life. That was an idea that I heard from her and I I was doing that for a while. And that was really interesting because if you draw a card for the day and then you don't do anything with it, it's really easy to forget what that card was or what that message Mm -hmm. was. But when I had it as the background, you know, with the lock screen on my phone, then several i pick up my phone several times a day as i imagine <laughs> many of us do um yeah you know i was reminded of that image or that you know the or that word or that message or that particular goddess energy and it was really that was really really fascinating and then i did a reading for a friend recently which i do from time to time mm-hmm. and it was a lot of fun to work with her on something that she was going through and kind of help her process the the messages that she was picking up. So I love that. Yeah, you did my first card reading. That's I had right. I never had one done before you did it. That's right. I went once to a psychic reading, but that was more of may have been a little tipsy with a group of girlfriends um, <laughs> kind of thing. And it was not the same kind of experience. So, yes, and I loved going through that with you. It was it was really, really neat. You tend to see positive where I see either negative or the absence of positive. You, you have a mm. way of putting things in perspective that are very mm-hmm. different from mine. And it was incredibly helpful. And so I really like your idea of sort of giving magic because I see you do that a lot and you do it in a lot of ways for your friends and for your family and I think it's wonderful well thank you I appreciate that so how do you feel about going exploring what do you have to explore (laughs) I'm a fan (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you've ever heard me say this little phrase that goes bring it on baby (laughs) bring it on baby So my exploration was to ask for and appreciate signals. And asking for things is not my natural inclination. 
mm-hmm. whatsoever. <laughs> and so to kind of set up that mental space after we recorded the teaser for orgasm, mm-hmm. and I realized we're going to be talking about magic in a few days, and that means I've got to write a script. <laughs> it would probably be helpful if I had something to put in it. <laughs> probably. <laughs> and and of course, you know, we're launching a new podcast the same week that I move into a new house because that is just how I roll. And so, so I was like, all okay. All the things. All the things, right? So I just decided to ask for some positive signals, like signals that would be kind of good, happy magic. Mm-hmm. The first part of that was I pulled a card from my goddess oracle deck for my first night in this new place. Friday night, nothing was unpacked. Everything is chaos. If you want to see what chaos looks like, come visit me in the new place right now (laughs) because this is a living, breathing example. Anthropologists should just freeze it exactly as it is because this is chaos. (laughs) I was so tired. I like I made the bed and I don't even care. I'm just going to sleep. But before I went to sleep, I pulled a card just for the sort of spirit of the new house. Yeah. And sometimes you pull a card and it it startles you, right? Like you mm-hmm. you get an answer that may not be exactly what you were hoping to hear. And in the back of my head, I think I was saying, all right, goddesses, like, seriously, give me a break. Just, I need a happy yeah. card here, right? Yeah. And I actually pulled a very happy card. So the, the card that I pulled was Yoster the goddess of growth. And there was this lovely quote um, in the book for her that said, it is time to open to things in your life that facilitate growth, development, and evolution. Do it now. So there was this this call to action, which I need to be reminded of on a regular basis. So that was pretty cool. So on Saturday... You and I woke up to the notorious Lonnie Dinerich having launched the teaser for Orgasm, which is just so Lonnie. Like, it, yeah. it's like we recorded this trailer, you know, she's going to listen to it. We're going to maybe tweak or change. Lonnie listens to it. She goes, this is great. Here's your art. Bam. The thing goes live. <laughs> and it's like... You're going to dance with Lonnie. You better hold on tight, baby. So now this thing goes out. But I really loved that because it was the first day of the month. Yeah. And it was my first day in my new city. Yeah. And so that delighted me. So I decided, okay, this is this is a signal here that's that's good, right? Do the thing. The next day, the thing launches. This is great. Then on Monday... Maggie Sparkman posted on Twitter, she wrote a blog post. She's doing uh, this kind of motivational Monday series on her blog. And she wrote about Big Strong Yes, which was the podcast that I had done with Lonnie last year and how you and I met mm-hmm. and how a lot of the space that I'm in for orgasm opened up. But I don't know Maggie. I don't have any connection to her other than the podcast. And to hear a stranger write about our work like that was so moving and it felt like affirmation that yes, your creative work is worth doing because yes. it meant something to someone. And so I was like, okay, that is the most wonderful kind of signal. And it felt so good. And then yesterday, our friend Kelly on Twitter at Glazebook Girl, she does um, a card reading and you, she posts three cards and you get to pick one and then she comes back later and tells you what they mean. 
Tarot Tuesday. She's and she's so great. She is so magical. She is so wonderful. And my card was the Ace of Pentacles. And she wrote in there, so for you, what is the fantasy or dream or project that needs your work? The cards are saying now is the time. And you and I were actually writing part of this script when she posted that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like that to me is magic. <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah. And it lit me up and it made me so incredibly happy. So for further exploration, I want to follow the places that I'm drawn to in this new neighborhood and find ways of including magic in each room of this new place. But I think what I'm learning is that I have to start asking for things, mm-hmm. which is really hard. Yeah. Kind of feel like I'm going outside sort of naked and holding up my arms and saying, hello, universe, please come inspire me. <laughs> and, you know, like, love on me while you're here. And that yeah. feels counterintuitive in every possible way. But I yeah. think it's going to take asking in order to engage with the kind of exploration that I want to engage with. No, that makes sense. Because that's what podcasting is all about, right? You take all your personal stuff that makes you feel vulnerable and you talk about it in public. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. So you want to do some analysis? Sure. So that brings us into analysis, which for me really is all about vulnerability. Because looking for magic and trusting in magic, you know, as I said before, it connects me to my tininess and also to my significance and to my ability to be magic in the lives of other people. Mm -hmm. But that is such a vulnerable position to be in. You know, when I think about my relationship to just allowing myself to be awed by the mystery of the universe over the past two decades or so of my life. I have been mocked for my sincerity with regard to magic, and that still makes it hard to be sort of openly curious and exploratory in that way. Mm-hmm. So that's, I don't, I don't know what to make of that analysis other than to be aware of the vulnerability and remind myself that that's okay mm-hmm. and not everything that resonates with me is going to resonate with other people. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm wrong. It doesn't mean that they're wrong. It's just, you know, different, different messages come to different people at different times. We all need different things. We all like different things. Right. And the, that, that it is, not not only fine, but it is correct for me to walk on my own path, whatever that ends up looking like. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think a lot of that has to do with significance itself, because significance is always personal to some extent. I mean, it can be cultural, but, but largely it's personal. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about that aspect of magic... If I think about phenomenon with meaning, then it is about the significance of that meaning. And the same is going to hold true with any individual experience of magic. And I think that it's, you you know, maybe part of your analysis there is being comfortable with both the power and vulnerability that that brings. And, And again, it just cracks me up. 
Plus, I wrote the word analysis, so my brain automatically went into research mode. But when you're <laughs> analyzing qualitative data, you're looking for themes. You're looking for patterns. Mm. You don't know yet what they mean. You're just pulling out the patterns that you see. And no two researchers are going to do that exactly the same way. It's always subjective mm -hmm. to a certain extent. And so I think that your process for that is is sort of tried and true. And you're trusting your own intuition as you go through that analysis, if the word that you're pulling out is vulnerability, then that's the right word. And it's a good yeah. word. I mean, I personally fucking hate it. And it's in my yeah, section, yeah. too. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hate it. But it's it's so, it's, it's absolutely necessary. It's not optional, I think, mm -hmm. if you want to be, if you want to live an authentic life, I think vulnerability is not optional. Well, that's probably the most powerful word we have. Yeah. I just particularly don't like dancing with it, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. It I mean, does a not. Lot the, a lot of the time, it really does not feel good. I mean, it it feels it feels unsafe, and I think part of that is because a lot of us have been taken advantage of in our vulnerability. You know, you're mm -hmm. open and giving, and you want to connect with people, and there are plenty of people who will take that kind of openness and just reach right in and take whatever it is that they want for their own benefit with no regard for you. So being vulnerable, but also protecting your energy, I think is a huge, huge challenge <laughs> for, yeah. for all of us, really. But I think certainly people who share publicly. Mm -hmm. Oh, you mean podcasting might get under your skin a little bit sometimes, make you feel all vulnerable, and you wake up the next day after recording and say, oh, dear God, what did I say? What did I say? Who did I quote? <laughs> <laughs> Who did I quote? Yes, I actually said that on a podcast that is now in people's feeds and I can't take it back. And holy, holy God, I said that. I said those words. Yeah, I do that like once a week. Perfect. Sometimes twice a week, depending on the protection. Right. <laughs> well, you're on the right track then, right? That's... <laughs> right. Right. That's how yeah. this is supposed to go. Right, well, then that's good. Uh -huh. <laughs> if we are measuring success in degrees of discomfort, <laughs> then <laughs> you're absolutely kicking ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and I think discomfort has a lot to do with, with my analysis, too. Because normally, analysis is my favorite part of any kind of project. Mm -hmm. And looking for patterns or themes, um, walking my way through someone else's pain, helping them walk through some kind of analysis, it, being more objective or even standing back, being supportive, being empathetic, anything related to that kind of analysis, looking for insight, looking for pattern, looking for meaning. Like, I am all about it. It lights me up until it's my own shit. <laughs> <laughs> When yeah. it's my own stuff, when it's my own block or my own vulnerability or my own shortcoming or my own, God forbid, needs, mm -hmm. girl, that's what the crate is for. <laughs> I don't want that. No. And what I'm realizing here is that if I have a natural inclination towards something and I can't see it and you can then I have to ask you to be a mirror for me. Mm -hmm. 
And I, because I want to believe that this magic can be part of my life and that maybe I do have kind of a natural relationship to it, but I can't see that in and of myself and I can't see it for myself, which means I have to ask other people. Yeah. And ask them to hold up a mirror for me or ask them to point these things out to me. And that makes me feel vulnerable to the point of ridiculous. And so, like, you've even told me some things that you've seen. And as I sat here trying to write the script tonight, I could not bring a single one of them to mind. <laughs> because it's like my brain just files them away, mm-hmm. you know. And and so, like, and and I think of it like when I was little and I was dancing. There were certain dance moves that I could do without necessarily seeing myself do them. Mm-hmm. I understood how to move through the music. And it wasn't until I had a teacher say, okay, you naturally approach it this way, or you have this form, or you're turning this direction. I, I can't see that for myself. Yeah. And this feels a lot like that. Yeah. There's expertise here that I don't have. There's experience here that I don't have. There are <laughs> like ways of thinking about this that I don't know, and I want to know how to do it all right, and I want like 20 years of knowledge in my brain overnight, and that doesn't happen. Yeah. So it makes me feel hell of uncomfortable and vulnerable, but I want it. And so yeah. if if you're honoring desire in that way, then you have to be willing to be open to being shown certain things. Yeah. So the other part of this that is easier is our idea of choosing magic. Yeah. Which comes from Big Strong Yes, which means when I do see patterns or I do see significance, I am willing to call it magic. Yes. And not belittle it and not second guess it. And I mm-hmm. I am in tune with that. Yeah. And that was one, I mean, and that was one of the things that I mentioned to you that I saw in you was your willingness to accept something as magic from the get-go I would say you know I I would kind of go oh well I don't know and you would say magic baby (laughs) (laughs) yeah that part's easier yeah well and I remember saying to you early in our friend I think it was early in our friendship I said something like I am done questioning the magic of the universe because it had I had a week where it was like bam 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 three things just came cascading down in this perfect you know mm-hmm. synchronicity and I was like all right okay I see what you did there like I <laughs> I gotta choose magic like that's <laughs> that's the, it's the only it's the only response really yeah all right so all right. shall we synthesize <laughs> is that your that's your theoretical framework pickup line isn't it shall we synthesize oh, one of many yeah oh yeah oh now i'm in for it <laughs> academic pickup lines yeah <laughs> let's take our time let's get qualitative oh god if you're not following research mark on twitter what are you doing with your life <laughs> I'm just saying, oh, my God, you have to follow Research Mark. He is so wonderful. Let's take our time. Oh, yeah. That one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think we may have lost the thread of the podcast. 
I mean, you're talking to a woman basically for whom I'd like to read your dissertation is like the sexiest pickup line I can possibly imagine. So, you know, use with <laughs> caution is what I'm saying. Back on task. Back on task. All right. Come on, Noelle. Synthesize for me, girl. Okay. So moving into synthesis, which is our final component of our framework, mm-hmm. what will we keep doing? What are we going to do moving forward? And I've been thinking a lot about this. I really want to find a connection to magic and mystery that is authentic to me, but also authentic to my heritage. Oh, well, it's tricky because so much of New Age spirituality comprises sacred components of Black and Indigenous cultures that have been stolen for the benefit of white people, mm-hmm. oftentimes for profit. So thinking about my own relationship to magic in that way, and certainly, certainly when I was learning about you know, a more goddess-based spirituality and tapping into my relationship to nature and, you know, magic in the in the witchcraft space. I am certainly, certainly was and and almost certainly continue to be guilty of borrowing from traditions that aren't mine without a real knowledge or appreciation of where those traditions come from. Mm-hmm. So my my work going forward, and it's lifelong work, is decolonizing my relationship to magic. And that's pretty heavy. I mean, that's heavy stuff, but I think it's important work. No, I think it's very important. So do you have a good sense of your family tree or your heritage? Do you kind of know where you're working from? I do. Um, I am very, very grateful to my late paternal grandmother, who was probably a researcher in her own way. (laughs) She kept wonderful family records. And Mm -hmm. I have all kinds of names and um, detailed family trees. And growing up, my parents always told us that we were Irish and Swedish, which is partially true. But most of my family is German. So looking at Germany's relationship to witchcraft is an interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of I know that a lot of what we think of as the sort of look and feel of like, like your Halloween, which is mm-hmm. <laughs> comes from Germany originally, I believe. But this is something that I'm just beginning to explore and dive into. So I'll let you know what I find out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. So for me, I think having this idea of phenomena helps me the most because looking for patterns is what I love most about research and I know how to do that. So now I have to transfer that into a mystical space Mm -hmm. that also involves Mm -hmm. mystery and surrender, neither of which I'm particularly good at. But (laughs) sometimes it feels... Now, I often say that the trickster universe loves fucking with me and I will claim that. But... (laughs) But sometimes it feels like the trickster universe is winking at me. 
waiting to be seen and to be known. And I want to pay better attention and to be more open to that mystery and not try to wrestle the why out of every single thing and be more appreciative of the magic that comes into my life, especially when I learn to ask for it. So that is my synthesis. (laughs) I love that. I love that. So now we get to go to my favorite part, which is what was your favorite part? Of this week's <laughs> orgasm. Um, my favorite part was the realization that I have owned my Goddess Oracle deck for 19, 20 years, and there are still cards I've never drawn. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. First of all, that you know that. <laughs> like you could remember that there are some you haven't drawn. But that, that that has actually happened over that amount of time. That is amazing. Yeah, because there are cards. I mean, there are cards that I've drawn for other people. But realizing that there are a handful of these cards that I've still never drawn. Mm-hmm. And just how fascinating that is. It really is. That's really yeah. awesome. What's your favorite part of this week's orgasm? My favorite part was co-opting Lonnie's story definition. For my definition of magic, (laughs) because stories are magic. And so I love that this definition includes both story and the romantic view I have of the whole damn universe. And having a working definition, even though I'm sure it will change over time, makes me very happy. I love that. Mm -hmm. So we do have a segment in here for the spontaneous orgasm. (laughs) anything that happened during the week that we didn't plan, but hit us anyway. So did anything just spontaneously make you say, ah? Yeah. Yeah. You telling me that my two, three, four was actually nine. (laughs) It was just like, oh my God. That was pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) What about you? This is hilarious. And I don't have the terms to tell you how freaking ironic this is, because (laughs) my orgasm came from a very domestic place. (laughs) And anyone who knows me is going to be like, what the hell? So I (laughs) moved into this new apartment in a new city that I love very much, and I'm really excited to be here. And one of my dear friends now lives a mile and a half from me. And so Saturday, she came over and helped me start unpacking because she's a wonderful friend. And she brought me a housewarming present. And it's a little plant. And I'm looking at her going, oh, honey, (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to kill this plant. And I, I have terrible luck with keeping green things alive. And she's like, Kelly, you can handle a houseplant. Watch. You turn on the sink, you give it some water, you put it in the windowsill. This is not complicated. (laughs) Like, okay. But it's a basil plant. And so, like, one of my other life goals is to learn to cook. And I'm, you know, making little bitty tiny things. And I have not yet blown up the kitchen or set anything on fire too badly. So, you know, it's going okay. (laughs) But she's like, you can pull off a basil leaf and rinse it and tear it up and throw it in whatever you're cooking. And the plant smells so good. But what was so cool about it was... When she moved in about two years ago to this neighborhood, a third friend of ours gave this friend a basil plant from her, like a cutting from her plant Mm -hmm. in a little pot. Well, 
the friend who gave it to me is a great gardener. So this basil plant has like grown and become the king of the basils and it's gotten bigger and it had to have a new pot. (laughs) So then when it was my turn, she took a cutting from her basil plant that had grown from a cutting from our other friend's basil plant. And she put it back in the original pot that had been our friend's that was given to her as a housewarming present and gave that to me. So it's like the third little life from this basil plant, and it's the third home for this pot. And it makes me very, very happy. So it's a little spontaneous orgasm from a house plant, which just goes to show that magic has a sense of humor. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, baby. So let's move into some anticipation. You want to tell everybody what we're going to talk about next? Sure thing. Well, a little additional magic for your basil plant is that it gave me a great transition for our topic for next time, which will be nature, Mm -hmm. because that feels kind of (laughs) easy. And we're starting with simple, basic concepts, things that are very small and easy to define, magic, nature. (laughs) But see, the thing about nature is I feel like I may actually have some actionable action items that I can action on that one. Oh, <laughs> like I may, good. I may be able to, to I may be able to induce orgasm is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, you may have to help me work my way to mine <laughs> because I'm normally kind of the girl that's inside with a book. <laughs> So that will be a fun challenge. (laughs) I'll see what I can do. I appreciate that. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So we want to hear about your thoughts about magic and your orgasms. To connect with us on Twitter and Instagram, follow Noelle at Noelle Aloud and me at Dr. Kelly Jones and use the hashtag orgasm. You can also go a little deeper by visiting the Chipperish Forums. Go to chipperish.com, click on Forum, and join in the discussion. And you can explore your own orgasms with the prompts in our sort of, kind of syllabus. And the link is in the show notes. Yes. Like all Chipperish Media Podcasts, Orgasm is 100% patron-supported. Just $1 a month or more gets you access to the live chat in Discord where you can hang out with me and Kelly and all the magical Chipperish patrons. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's a great way to support the show and help other people find us or post about your orgasmic experience on your favorite social media platforms because explosive inspiration is best when shared with friends. We will be back next time to talk about nature. Until then, I will leave you with the words of High Aldwin from the 1988 film Willow. Magic is the bloodstream of the universe. Forget all you know or think you know. All that you require is your intuition. <laughs>